You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Laura Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Noel. Thanks for joining me again for another amazing episode. I just finished recording this show um, with my guest, actually, um, Dr. Uh, Moshe. It was a fascinating conversation, super fun. I feel like he and I could just talk for hours, but we had to bring it to a close. Um, so this show wasn't four hours long, and because he's in... Um, a dad of a four month old. And obviously I have my eight month old Zion. So we have things to do, but I think you guys will really get a lot of the conversation. So I hope you enjoy. And I want to give some love to our show sponsor, Organifi. I want to ask you guys, do you get brain fog? Do you feel mental sluggishness? Do you forget things? Do you walk into a room and forget why? Do you lose your train of thought as you're telling a story? Well, it sounds to me like you need a little bit of support with some brain power. Most of us, when we're feeling this way, we reach for coffee, um, which yes, there's some benefits of coffee, but they are totally overestimated and over-exaggerated and our culture uses it as a quick fix. I'm not about the quick fixes. I'm about optimizing and giving your body the nutrition that it needs. I haven't really talked about this product on the show, but Organifi Pure is wonderful. If you've heard of the kind of the group of supplements that work on the brain called nootropics, this would be something you'd probably be really interested in. So this product, Organifi Pure, it's focused specifically on brain health and brain clarity. And what I'm really impressed with, with the people who take it, they feel a big difference in terms of their performance, either at school or at work. They're finding that they're performing better, like on exams, or maybe when they have a presentation or a meeting they have to go to, they're just performing better because they're able to access those words better. They're just able to kind of have that, that firing of the brain a lot easier. And let me tell you why. So looking at the ingredients of this product, I'm just really, really impressed the two in particular that really stand out, one is lion's mane. This is a mushroom that has very clear research of it having protective effects for um, brain cells, improving memory. They, it helps to fight against anxiety and depression and also help provide energy. So it's sort of like, like an energy boost for the brain. And then there's also a fruit that's in it that I'm really impressed with called baobab. Baobab. B-A-O-B-A-B. Such a cute name. Baobab. And this is also one that's been studied in the research as having actual effects of repairing cells in your brain. So this is really powerful stuff. Um, our brains are very susceptible to damage, free radical damage, toxins in our environment, infections. Anything we can do to help protect our brain is especially important. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of this product. It's just powder. You do a packet in a glass of water, drink it down. You do one every day. Um, other ingredients, aloe vera, ginger root, there's digestive enzymes, there's lemon, apple cider vinegar, coconut water. There's also prebiotics. So it helps to feed the good bacteria of your brain. Cause you guys know, I've talked about this on the show. The majority of your brain power is actually in your digestive system. 90% of your, um, immune systems in the gut and also 90% of your serotonin. So that's the kind of the happy brain chemical that you hear about. That's actually in your digestive tract. 
So I love that this formula has the specific brain nutrients and also for the gut too. So that connection is, is really honored. If you'd like to get your hands on Organifi Pure or any other products that are Organifi, you head over to Organifi.com slash Dr. Lowe, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O. And then at checkout, enter Dr. Lowe 20, D-R-L-O 20, and you'll get 20% off your Organifi Pure or anything on the whole website. All right, let's jump into the interview and talk all about holistic counseling. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We are talking with a new friend. Uh, we have Dr. Moshe on the show. He is also known as Moshe Daniel Block. He is a naturopathic doctor. He's the author of The Revolution of Naturopathic Medicine, Remaining True to Our Philosophy, which is a book about the philosophy and practice of naturopathic medicine, and Holistic Counseling, which is what we're talking about for this show, which is Introducing the Vis Dialogue, and we'll talk about what that means exactly. And this is his new book about a breakthrough healing method using the worlds of mind-body medicine and psychology which is very near and dear to my heart because as you guys know my background and my passion is actually psychology that was my first um, you know kind of step into the world of of health was I got my undergrad in psychology and then from there I went into naturopathic medicine so I, I love anything in this whole kind of arena he graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine up in Toronto in 2000 and he went on to complete the homeopathic master clinician course he also specializes in autoimmune disease which is something I see quite a bit and specifically something called myasthenia gravis this is a disease that he was personally diagnosed as having um, and from which he has healed himself so he teaches the very, this very wisdom and knowledge that's helped him heal and others in his holistic counseling course for NDs. You can learn more about this at holistic-counseling with one L dot C-A. So it's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C dash counseling dot C-A, C-A because he's up in Canada. Um, and what's so cool, he's actually coming down to San Diego for anyone who's listening who is a health professional, a health professional student, or someone in the general uh, population who loves this type of uh, this type of work or medicine that we're talking about, you are all invited. You're all welcome to come. And uh, for anyone listening, you get a special discount, ten percent off the course, just by putting Dr. Lowe um, when you register. So thank you for giving that to our listeners, Dr. Moshe. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Dr. Lowe. Pleasure to be on the show. So good to have you. Now I heard about you actually from the naturopathic chat. So this is for people who don't know what this is. This is a kind of a big email database that's sent out, or it's it's sort of like a forum that all naturopathic doctors have access to, and it's so great because it's like we can go on there, hop on there, and say, "Hey, I have this case. This is what's been happening. I don't know what to do." Or, "Or hey, I've been trying this with this case, and it was incredible." And it's just a really beautiful way for all of us NDs to talk. And one person on there had said by the way, this is an event that's coming to San Diego. I've, I've gone like two or three times. It's been a game changer for me in my practice. And I was like, what is this? So I was just looking mm -hmm. into it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is coming up. Let's talk. Let's, let's spread the word. So it's just kind of fell into place naturally. And I love that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to, you know, hopefully be there. I, I think I can make it and I'm, I'm going to really do my best to be there. But, um, but thank you for doing the work that you do. And you know, obviously you have found a lot of um, incredible 
things in your practice using these modalities and you're spreading the word. So I, I, I just really love that. But um, yeah, so welcome to the show. Thank <laughs> you so time. much. Yeah, yeah. The, so I'm coming to San Diego on the February 7th to the 9th. It's a weekend. The, the, it's a really powerful course um, with a lot of transformation of self. So the, 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 there's like, the course is sort of like made up of three dynamics or three dimensions. The, one of the major ones is physician heal thyself or healer heal, heal thyself or person heal thyself. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's so important when, when we work with the holistic model, it, it means that we're working with the whole person. That is, you know, soul, spirit level mental emotional fields and the and the physical dimension and because of that there is a lot of profound energies that are involved uh, it's not just like i could sit up in my intellect and decide something that's good for the patient in this sort of very like kind of logical rational way in, disconnected from the very vital energies that are exchanged that that's not that's not what happens in the holistic model and what i what i teach about so it's very important for, a, for an individual uh, to be in a place, not that they need to be perfect with their healing, but to be very engaged in, in their own healing. So they understand, uh, you know, just the pain of it. This can be very painful, and, and, but very necessary. And there's a beauty in facing one's darkness and recognizing one's, you know, we have subtle, a lot of subtleties in our ego. So we take a really deep look at uh, Physician Heal Thyself heal or heal thyself. And then the other dimensions in the course are learning what the holistic model means. Like what does another, another way to call the holistic model is mind body medicine, that what we believe the mind reflects by manifesting symptoms that are a direct reflection and a crystallization of those false beliefs that are not in harmony with our true nature. So we look at that holistic model. And then the last thing that we do is we actually learn how to do the dialogue, which is I call the VEAST dialogue. That's the healing power of nature dialogue to help people get very deep inside of their subconscious mind to have awareness and recognition of the choices that they're making of things that they're believing and what they're aligning with that is just not in harmony with their true self. So those are the three dimensions of this course and they all work very nicely together. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And um, you know, one thing that stands out from what you're saying is just the doctor heal thyself. That's something that, yes, just because you have an ND after your name doesn't or MD or whatever professional, you know, suffix you have, it doesn't always mean that you've done the work in the personal healing. Right? right. You can have the book, yeah. the book smart and know how to diagnose stuff, but it doesn't always mean that you've gone through that personal experience of healing yourself. And, and if not, you really are very restricted in how deeply you can help someone. Correct. You know, cause Absolutely. like, he, like the more that we heal, the more that we feel comfortable with being vulnerable, which is akin to being open and open hearted and, and, and humble in a sense, because we know, we know that we're fallible, that we have wounds, that we have issues. We know that as practitioners and that, that comes across a lot more soft and gentle with, with 
the patient or the with the client or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so it's not like I am the doctor and there's this kind of wall of, of di disconnect, but rather there's this welcoming opening space with a practitioner who has engaged in, in their own healing. I'd love to know a little more about personal history with you. I know that you had been diagnosed with myasthenia gravis. Um, so what made you passionate about this type of medicine? You know, it's interesting because I actually was passionate even before I got sick with myasthenia gravis because probably because I was always sick as a kid. Mm. I had everything, you name it. I experienced it, including injuries and asthma and recurrent sore throats like um, and uh, bronchitis pneumonia i had uh, mononucleosis that kicked my butt for a couple of months one summer it was just just an ongoing kind of struggle with my health mm -hmm. and so i kind of like i think it's true for a lot of us like we go in we go into what we need you know yeah <laughs> like psych a lot of psychologists go into psychology because they're struggling with mental emotional issues mm -hmm. and i went into i went into naturopathy because i struggled with with health issues all my life and i wanted you know i didn't want to be a full-on medical doctor I, I i didn't want to be just a a, a, a hands-on healer a very mystical path i wanted a kind of a balance of the two and i found naturopathic medicine kind of enticed me in that way it's a ideally it, it would be taught as a balance of nature cure you know harmony with nature and you know rigorous scientific uh, research and study and principles mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it's a beautiful connection or the fusion of the two it's like yes. it's just the possibilities are endless when you put those two together so let me ask you what was it like what happened when you were first diagnosed how old were you and what actually happened that made you seek treatment yeah I was 23 and I you know I was pretty athletic strong uh, weight lifted not not like a big buff guy but just strong and athletic and I started to be paralyzed in my uh, arms my triceps in particular mm -hmm. and in the flex flexor muscles of my thighs you know legs are what you would lift your leg off the ground Mm -hmm. uh, abdominal muscles. I had droopy eyelids. So I, I said, Oh, okay. Something's going on here. So you just slowly started to notice that you were kind of losing function of certain things. Is that yes, that's how it right. showed up? Wow. That's that right. must've been yeah. scary. Yeah. There was a perfect storm of things that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, Isn't there always there, there is. <laughs> There's always a perfect storm that we all get at some point. Yeah. It's a perfect storm, right? These different factors. And for me that that's like basically it's time, you know, okay, it's time to deal with this. Um, mm. And I think, I think I was very strong and I don't just mean physically. I also mean like my will is very strong and also my ego is very strong. So mm. I needed a kind of a uh, wake up call because I think deeper than my ego's desires to be thinking, I, yeah, I got this thing. I got this life thing was my soul wanting to help me evolve past my, you know, certain things that I needed to learn. And I don't think I could have learned those things had I not become sick. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I always regard illness as a, as a true messenger and a true gift. Wow. Not something that has to be gotten rid of, but something that needs to be heralded and, and really, uh, you know, welcomed. 
not not the like we're not welcoming the disease we're welcoming the message of the disease yes so yeah that's such a huge a huge point you bring up is Mm -hmm. is just having that type of gratitude for for getting sick yes you know looking for the messages looking for the nuggets that are in there yes because i couldn't agree with you more i mean i know we shared before the call that we're I'm a new parent. You're a second time parent now. So you have a four month old, I have an eight month old. Um, I recently had my perfect storm that uh, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I had a near death experience while driving. I ended up the next day having going into postpartum psychosis. I had to go into a mental hospital for a week. I haven't shared the whole, the whole story on my show fully yet, but I I've shared a little bit. Um, and that's exactly what I said. It was the perfect storm, but it made me realize like maybe that's, what it looks like when each, each and every one of us go through our, you know, our hero's journey. When we f- hit that part right before the big breakthrough, it feels like a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And we just have to have that courage to weather the storm because we do get through and it's, it's our own personal, you know, transformation that we have. And I think that if we don't have the, the attitude that you just talked about, we miss it. We yeah. miss it. And then it becomes classified as trauma and and there's nothing wrong about that it's just it, i feel like it gets it goes into that place but if we can go into that even i think that we can still get what's there you know yeah definitely you know that whole thing like i, I when i start working with with people uh, often with myasthenia gravis because that's my specialty but i i i work with people with anything basically uh, but i often hear them say you know i got to get rid of this disease right i got to get you know we got to get just get rid of it and then in time you'll start to hear them say things like i've learned so much from this illness and i'm really mm-hmm. grateful to have um you know taken taken the path with you to figure out and to come to understand what its message was for me mm-hmm. because these symptoms are a manifestation of the subtle energies that are out of balance with our true self the physical symptoms are just subtle. It's a representation of what's going on on a subtler level. Correct. They're not the disease. They're, they're the expression of the disease. And so they help us say, you know, they cause suffering of 100% because nobody likes to be sick. Uh, they cause suffering. And when we suffer, we say, hey, what's going on? The, the, uh, the, the appropriate answer for a true evolution of like who we really are in our soul is to is to be very open and say okay what am i doing what am i seeing that's out of alignment with nature with my true self um you know there's nothing wrong with you know wanting to to just get rid of the symptoms um because i mean i could i could totally understand them but but it does cause an issue in that i'm i'm a really big fan of uh of the evolution that can come from uh, a manifestation of a disease and then the subsequent healing by understanding how that disease came to be because of the choices that we make and what we believe about ourselves that's not our true nature right and there's lots of ways that we can in our modern days a lot of different models of medicine that we can use to just sort of make ourselves healthier without understanding the root. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm actually, I actually encourage a person to go through right, what, right with the root. And we don't, 
uh, work initially on just, you know, alleviating the symptoms, unless it's, they're severe and, and the person is bogged down by them, then, then we have to do a little bit of that. Yeah. I do, I'm comfortable with my, for myself and, and helping my patients sit with the pressure, like symptoms are like a pressure cooker that, that make you dig deep to find answers and to be willing to step past comfort zones. Otherwise, it's very easy for us to say, you know, I feel better. I don't need to look at this anymore. Yeah. So that's an important point, too. Do you feel like in your experience that true healing usually involves discomfort? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think a, a whole bunch of it does. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that we can also heal through positive experiences like love mm -hmm. and and like that brings on tremendous healing and and that's a real blessing to be able to have that kind of healing and i think i think in my life i've had some of that healing too but i like i said i think i needed some of the the break you down kind of mm -hmm. struggle healing that i i uh that's been very helpful for me as much as i kind of love hate it i look back on my life and i feel like the times where i was the most uncomfortable, the most in pain were the ones that I look back and it was the, the best transformation, the best like coming through of something that I'll never take back, like that I wouldn't trade for the world. So yeah, but that gosh darn pain, the gosh darn discomfort. Oh, <laughs> it's not yeah, fun when you're going 100%. through it, but yeah, but that's what, that's what it is. It's a, it's a, an undeniable message because we can cruise through life. It's really, it, really easy these days to just cruise through life. Yeah. and make ourselves comfortable and we take the thing like take stuff to just like alleviate symptoms and before you know it it's the end of our, our lives and we're moving on to the next life what do we take with us we don't you don't take you don't take your physical body you don't take your possessions but we do take those deep things that we've learned and the things that we've learned in the deepest way is often uh, had through our suffering and, and especially through illness. Yeah, it's a good point you bring up. Let's give an example of, of what you talk about. So like, let's talk about the myasthenia gravis. Like, yes. how would you kind of navigate healing through something like that, you know, with the context of the holistic healing that you do? Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll sit with someone. And I'll say, hey, what are we working on together? And they'll say, well, I have myasthenia gravis. I say, okay, well, tell me about the symptoms. They'll list all their symptoms. I start with the physical nuts and bolts of the actual disease itself. And then, and then through that, I will start to, um, there's different ways of investigating to open up what I call the rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole is that tunnel uh, that starts to descend through the person's uh, mental emotional field. So I'll say, okay, well, what's it like for you? Oh, I, I, I hate it. What do you hate about it? Well, I feel so weak and so limited. And then I just keep asking questions to deepen their expression of what the illness is about to them. So, what, so you hate it because you're weak and um, I forget what I just said a second ago, but let's say we'll just go with weak. What's, what do you hate most about it being weak for you? And it's, well, I'm not as strong as I used to be. And well, what's that like for you, not being as strong as you used to be? Well, I'm not, I can't, I can't perform as well as I can, I, as well as I used to. 
So, so we start to see the person's ego involved in, in the illness and what aspects of their ego are brought on board online with the illness mm. for them to transcend mm -hmm. and, um, and false ideas of reality that that's like kind of synonymous with the ego. So, you know, I've seen all kinds of things, but with, with autoimmune disease, there's, there is a, it's not a formula, but there's a kind of a gen general uh, idea that I myself experience with my own healing. And that is the person tends to be very hard on themselves. They tend to beat themselves up and they could feel guilty about things. They could, they could, um, they could feel like they need to be perfect. And if they're not perfect, then they, they judge themselves harshly. And that judgment um, is literally the mind saying, you know, stupid, stupid, stupid to the self. Mm -hmm. And when the mind is saying that, the body reflects that behavior, which is to attack the self. And that is what autoimmunity is. It's the self, the cells in the body turning against themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's, the, that's what I see in, and I'd say, a vast majority of my cases. Mm -hmm. And how much do you feel like the getting into the mind body part helps to create healing in their condition? Oh, it, it does it a hundred percent. And wow. Yeah, it does it a hundred percent. If a person is really blocked at the mind body level and there's some, there's at the mental level, there's some, there's some reasons that that could be, it's like a very old thing or they're so afraid to open up to recognize it, that they're just stuck. And this can happen sometimes. But, other, but really, when a person works with the mind-body, that is 100% of the picture of healing. Wow. What, what is, so, okay, I didn't even tell people what myasthenia gravis is. <laughs> yeah. So how would you define it for people? Well, it's a, it's a rare, although a little less rare these days, autoimmune disease where the immune cells attack the neuromuscular junction. So the... The, the brain sends signals through nerves. The nerve endings send this little molecule called acetylcholine. And then the muscles have these receptors that receive acetylcholine and they contract. So the, immune, the autoimmune disease is basically these little immune cells that are all over the receptors for acetylcholine. So the messages of the, the central nervous system don't get to the muscles. And there's paralysis of voluntary muscle. So, so people can have, um, can actually die of this disease when it affects the diaphragm so much that they can't breathe. It's crazy. So yeah. it, you're not affected by it at all anymore. I, I would say I'm, I'm like 95 to 99% improved. Wow. Um, if I, you know, if I start doing things that are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I've learned I shouldn't be doing, I'm able to spot it quickly. But when I'm when there's a lot of stress or a lot of loss of loss of uh, sleep, I'll, I'll feel I'll feel some of the symptoms um, come up a little bit. But it's it's very minor. Mm -hmm. It's very minor. And there are lots of periods of time when I have no no manifestation. But I have this little child now, <laughs> and you know the, there's some stresses involved in being a parent. And yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know that all too well, and um, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so happy with how I'm, how I'm doing these days. I, I have complaints. I can do. I can participate in any sport. I can go running. I can.
play ultimate frisbee, play golf, uh, martial arts. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm in top, top shape in that regard. Amazing. What kind of martial arts do you do? Uh, karate. Sweet. <clears throat> yeah. I love it. I want to get into some sort of personal defense. I feel like maybe jujitsu. I don't know. Jujitsu is very cool. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't train much anymore. I, that was, that was a, more in the past. I, yeah. I haven't trained for a while. But uh, yeah, we did, a, we did just start to get into ground fighting and jujitsu when I uh, basically stopped training. So Gotcha. So yeah. fun. You just do a little bit of ground training with your babies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I put, I thought... my, put my four-year-old in a rear naked choke. I yeah, exactly. You, uh, tap out, tap out. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about the mind-body medicine a little bit. So you, you, know, you talk about the, the false belief. Yes. Kind of concept. Um, yes. How do you identify the false belief and how do you like get rid of a false belief? Okay. So that's a great question. So the, 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 the false belief is kind of organically arrived at by, by the, the nature of the Vs dialogue, the way it's structured to, to, to um, get a person to keep thinking about the last thing that they said uh, around their suffering. And that gets them to go deeper and deeper into the subconscious. Mm. So when we're at the subconscious, the belief becomes revealed. And I do share uh, also mm. techniques of how to help, you know, dust around the edges to help really bring it out. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's two things to be said about, about changing the belief or getting rid of the belief and also observing the belief. So sometimes, like with myself, uh, um, I had two bouts of myasthenia gravis. One was 24 years ago, and that's when I first was sick. And when I discovered the belief that I needed to be perfect, and I was beating myself up by not fulfilling that need to be perfect, uh, I had a spontaneous healing. Like I recovered on the spot. Wow. Like my arms went from being maybe 20% strength to 100% strength. My eyes were drooping. They opened up. Like it was a spontaneous, incredible, hallelujah healing. Wow. It's miraculous. It was, it was really miraculous. And then skip forward 20 years later, I had some big issues around learning that I was going to be a father. And I really thought it was like the end of my life because I was very attached to, you know, my spiritual path. And I had a lot of false ideas about that. Uh, because I mean, the spiritual path is so served by being a parent, but I thought that, oh, now I'm not going to have time. And so the second time around, I got even sicker Mm. and it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty intense. So, um, yeah, the, I, I I think I just wanted to say one other thing about the idea of like, so the, the first time I was sick, it was almost, it was like my belief that I needed to be perfect. I saw through it. It was like it exploded into smithereens wow. and it, it has barely ever come back. It's, it, has, it doesn't take hold anymore because I really uh, unrooted, uprooted it. Um, but sometimes a belief can be so deep that the, a person's ability to fully release it and get rid of it, it's very challenging. But what they can do is stop supporting it. And then it will shrivel up and die and really lose its power over the person. Mm. And the way they do that is by observation of the belief and say, oh, there you are. 
So first they learn to recognize what it is, then they, then they can recognize when it's happening, and then, they do, and then the idea is to not engage. Like, do not engage. Do not jump on it. Do not try to support it. Don't try to fight it. Don't try to kill it. Just mm. observe it and say, okay, I know, I know that path. I know where that leads when I believe that, and it's not what I want anymore. So mm-hmm. you just, just kind of gently, you know, recognize but do not engage. And that's Can you actually, give an example of, like, what, how that would actually look? Like something yeah. popping up and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's say, let's say a person is, um, they have the belief that they're not good enough. This is a very common belief. And if there's any homeopathic uh, fans out there, it's, it's connected to one of the most prevalent miasms in homeopathy, which is uh, Sora. So if that's, if that's like a, a foreign language to you, maybe we could get around to it. But basically, you know, it's one of the most common um, you know, ancestral illness, you know, residual illnesses that people can carry around today. Mm. So the, the idea that I'm not good enough, very prevalent. So a person believes they're not good enough and then they try to compensate by do by being better. Right. Or by, you know, one compensation that you'll see a lot is a person will uh, run around trying to rescue others, mm-hmm. uh, to fix them, to help them because then they'll think, Hey, you're so wonderful. And that compensates for them feeling not good enough. Mm. So if they, let's say they recognize this pattern, I believe I'm not good enough. And I tend to want to um, do something to compensate for that. Um, so if they, they're, they're hanging out with someone and then they feel like, I don't know, they compare themselves to that other person. That other person is, has some attribute that they feel that they don't have. They get triggered. They feel they're not good enough. They recognize they're not good enough. And instead of trying to do something to compensate in that moment, instead, what they could do is say, oh, there's my belief. I recognize it's not true. I, I feel it's true still, but I'm not going to engage in it. I'm not going to try to fluff up my chest or say something smart or try to prove my worth in some way. I'm just going to sit with the awareness that that belief is there. I'm just going to love myself through it and accept that that's there. Hmm. Uh, so to not engage is actually a huge, a huge step towards healing. Yeah, and I love that you said that you can even say to yourself, I, f- I feel like this is still true, but I'm noticing that it's there. And so but that's, that's okay. You can still feel like something's true and still be able to be an observer of it, right? That's right. Exactly. Because that, that's one of the things that actually, ha- actually happens a lot in the dialogue. So a person gets to this core belief, I'm not good enough. I need to be rich. I need to be the best. Um, I'm alone in the world. Nobody's there for me. I have to do everything by myself. These are different examples of core belief systems. So when they get down to that bottom line, very often a person, when I ask them one of the, one of the uh, closing type questions, and we get towards the end, do you want to keep living this way? Mm. They say, no, but how am I going to change? Because it still feels real. So it shows that when we can, we can elucidate the belief at the intellectual level, but it's still indwelling deeply in the subconscious patterns, much in the same way that a sponge, you know, you think you take a sponge and, you know, you squeeze it out, but 
you think it's done, but you can keep squeezing for so much, right? <laughs> right. So the, the emotion that is associated with a belief system is, is like the sponge and it takes a lot of squeezing out. So yeah, it can, it, that's, that's definitely what happens with a lot of people. And so time is, is going to really work for them as long as they don't keep going back to feeding the sponge by like, you know, like jumping on the bandwagon mm -hmm. of that belief and then feeding the, the ill negative down emotion that will then just feed the subconscious pattern again. Yeah, I like that. It's like if you're not feeding it, and I think with the sponge too, it's like you squeeze it out, there might be some residual left, but maybe as you flush it with the good things coming in, the, the residuals tend to kind of go away, you know? That's right. Yeah, they um, just go away. Exactly. Right, exactly. So, because it's really like, it's what you're feeding that grows, right? It's like what you're watering that grows. Are you going to continue to go back and revisit that a gazillion times? Because I feel like sometimes the more we go back and revisit things, it kind of like, it strengthens that memory sometimes. And it strengthens that story. But like, okay, when, when do you get to just move forward and create, write a new story? And strengthen right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's those two things that we could do. We could totally ignore the belief and say, you know, like a fly, you know, just sh shoo it away and don't look at it and just live. But then when the fly keeps buzzing and it's landing on your nose and it's like trying to get in your eyes and in your ears and you just keep, you can't ignore it, then you have to turn and face it and say, okay, fly, what do you hear? But what's, what's, the, what's going on? <laughs> right. So I find, I find that healing is a balance of that, uh, like a sine wave, you know, it comes in and out. If we're just saying shooing away, then it starts to become like a suppress it, a suppression of it. We're, mm -hmm. we're fighting with it by trying to ignore it. Like, right. cause if, if it's not true, why are you trying to ignore it? Like this big effort to ignore it, but you can't ignore it. So it's time to then dive into it and get it at the bottom and then to, um, you know, recognize the falseness of it again so that it's easy mm. to just ignore it again and it's off the chart i love that recognize the falseness of it and and also too like perfection isn't the destination that then allows or gives you the permission to then live your purpose right it, it's like all the while while you're healing all the while while you're doing this this um discovery you're still here for a reason and you can still make a difference while you're healing you know i i for some reason it, he just popped in my head the movie uh, a beautiful mind with russell crowe mm -hmm. and remember at the very end sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it spoil alert turn this off if you haven't seen it but <laughs> at the end he still saw the people and still heard them and everything he still was schizophrenic he still had the same voices and things he saw and he still i think he won the the Nobel Peace Prize or won the whatever yeah. did he win? <laughs> He's yeah, like, like, yeah, I mean, so incredible. Um, it's like a fellowship or like some fellowship award where yeah. they, they all came and gave him pens, right? Remember yeah, like, exactly. Like, like internationally recognized, nationally recognized. And so I think that um, I love having conversations like this because we're all in a state of healing all the time. It's just a continuum and, we're, and it's a personal continuum. We're all on a, our own personal continuum of healing and you can't yes. compare mine to yours or yours to someone else's. It's, it is, 
it is our own personal experience and we're all sharing it at the same exact time because we're all going through it, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. know, there's, there's different, there's different kinds of healing. You could have a person say that has very advanced physical disease. Um, let's say it's multiple sclerosis or it's uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, or it could be advanced cirrhosis of the liver and they don't, you get to them really late in the, in the, in the game. So it's hard to reverse those kinds of things. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's hard. Uh, so the kind of healing you could help them is through understanding their illness and, and coming to peace with it. Another kind of healing is where a person has symptoms and they're so bothered by it and then they still have symptoms, but they're totally at peace with it. They don't even, it doesn't even phase them. They're not, right. there's no suffering around it. And then the, another kind of healing is, is that the illness just gone. And that's, that's of course what we want. Uh, but there's, there's different, there's different uh, potentials there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And right. I see like, let's say a person has, you know, every, every, like you said, everybody's path is different. So everybody's illness is tapped in differently, just like different plants have different depths of their roots. You know, you try to pull a burdock, burdock plant out or, or a dandelion root out and you see whoa these are really deep roots versus some plants have very superficial roots and you know you can just like and it comes right out well some illnesses have very deep roots yeah and so a person needs to work through layer after layer of what's involved in the the karmic issue for them before they're ready to pull the so-called weed out or the plant out right out of the ground and be healed uh, it could involve so many, so many issues versus another person might get traumatized by something and a disease forms around the trauma and all they have to do is surrender and let go of just that trauma and then, and then the disease is completely gone. Mm. They're completely fine after Right, that. right. Do you ever feel like a person's healing is oftentimes self-guided? And you're just sort of there as like a witness or as like a like a participant, but they're they're kind of doing it themselves. Yes, for sure, for sure. And sometimes the the reason why they would come to me is because they they do do that, but now they're stuck because mm. we could we could always always use help as well. You know, like sometimes the right our face is too close to the to the wall to see right. the right on the wall. So it's helpful to have somebody ask questions that guides a person in, in a good direction. That's and my favorite type of healing. I love that type. When someone can guide me to come to my own healing or my own transformation, that's, I mean, that's really what it's about. And I feel like that is what defines a really skilled healer too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you've looked at yourself a lot, it, it, it's harder for a practitioner to help you than when a person is like a, a brand new brand new to the healing world and they have mm -hmm. so much to discover about themselves then then they you know every question is a revelation for them when they think about the questions that they never thought about before mm -hmm. but uh, for someone like myself and I imagine for yourself as well like we've been working on ourselves a lot and so uh, there's there's two problems with that one is a good problem one is a not so good problem <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> The good problem is that we know ourselves well, so there's not a lot of dark areas, uh, but, and so it takes a lot of exploration to find what it is that we need to understand to keep, um, keep evolving at the moment. Mm -hmm. and, and the second thing is that we tell it, we, 
we develop a story around what we think our, our healing is about. You know what I mean? Like we've yeah. walked that path a lot. So we were convinced. And so that could be uh, difficult to get past the story of what we think about ourselves. Oh, right. I could see that. I yeah. bet sometimes your most challenging patients are the ones that are naturopathic doctors or doctors in some profession or health oh, yeah, 100%. professionals. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I look back, I'm like, I've been a pain in the ass, pain in the butt patient a few times before. I will admit that. Just because like we know too much sometimes. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> I've been a pain in the butt too with like some like some wonderful homeopaths who like prescribe me a remedy and I'm like, okay, I might take it or I might just keep self-prescribing here. Right. Um, <laughs> sorry, amazing homeopath. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, no too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What else should I ask you about this course or anything else that you, that you do? I mean, this is fascinating stuff and I mean, it sounds awesome. I'd love to know a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'd like to mention is that I, I, it may, it may be obvious from what we already said, but you know, people, when they hear the word counseling or psychotherapy or psychology, they think mental, emotional is, issues, they think anxiety, depression, they think marital problems, but they don't think physical disease right. can be addressed with counseling mm. and that's that's what mind body medicine does it's is first of all I, I really help people understand um the connection between the body and the and the higher levels and how the body is like a faithful puppy dog to the higher levels when when you say bad dog if it, 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 it will reflect that wow interesting and and so when we really understand that we can have some trust, have some kind of faith in the medicine to be able to um, heal even chronic physical illness through counseling alone, through the mental field, the mental emotial field. That's, That's so amazing. wild. I, I, I'm just, I have this, this mental image of like how many of us, our bodies are literally like a little puppy with their dog, with, with our tail between our legs because our minds have, been abusive to our bodies so much, you know, 100%, just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, you're not good enough. Imagine you're not good enough. Right. So each level inside of us, like we have several bodies, like uh, physical bodies the most obvious, but we have a, a vital body, an emotional body, a mental body, and then there's soul and soul is, you know, in the yogic tradition, I, I'm, I strongly, I come strongly from that tradition. Um, the soul is not a body, but it is, it is the, the thing that we are that is inhabiting those bodies. Mm, right. And not, inhabiting is not even the right word because it's not inhabiting because it is it, the infinite consciousness. and It doesn't have dimension. It's beyond space and time. Yeah, and I think so, it's beyond even our own comprehension too. That's right. We can't yeah. comprehend it, but we can experience it uh, when we get that, that hurrah of enlightenment at some point, yeah. which, which we're all evolving towards, which is a beautiful thing. So, so all these different levels, um, each time we go up a level in vibrational frequency, so we start at the lowest frequency is the physical material body. And when we go up to the higher level, there is a quantum level more power at at altering the lower levels of health so so when you imagine when you get to the emotional field the power in that is 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 two quantum levels and when you get to the mental level 
It's three quantum levels above the physical. So when we work at the physical level, it's, I, I think of it as shoving around boulders, you know, mm -hmm. shoving around boulders. And so, so often they'll just roll back into place because mm -hmm. the energies that sponsor the imbalance in the body are, are, exist at the subtle level and not at the physical level. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with the body in, in chronic illness. It's just reflecting what's going on. Um, wow. Yeah, so, so when we shift something at the mental level, there's a tremendous amount of liberation of, of blocked energy and tremendous amount of uh, potential you know, lightness of being and feeling great in our bodies and feeling and our emotions. It's, it's really rewarding. Right, that translates down into the physical. That translates down into the physical, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. You know, I, I just had a conversation with um, James Maskell. I was telling you right before our call, and he wrote this book, The Community Cure, and he talks about how, you know, the science is clear that social isolation and, you know, social stress is so much more of a determinant of our health than other lifestyle factors. Even smoking 15 cigarettes a day, it's actually mm. similar to your health to, as being a smoker, essentially smoking almost a pack a day. It's as bad yes. as it is. It's, it's actually worse for your health than drinking six alcoholic drinks a day. And it's worse for your health than not exercising at all. Oh, <laughs> like wow. Literally having social isolation is worse for you than, than being a couch potato for your health. That's so you know, I think about what you're talking about with the whole emotional realm. And I think it really, because it, it affects that realm so much. It does. It does, and I can see that. Now, I, I might, if I might take this opportunity to address that and, um, and, and just make a point about that. Like the, so it, it's very, very challenging not to have community. Mm. However, the model that I come from is this idea, idea that who we really are, that our true identity is, is the soul. And the soul is without condition. Yeah. It's basically fine unto itself it's just okay without any condition it's just pure love it's just pure love and it's yeah. okay like without without community mm. and then this doesn't mean to say that you because it's okay without community that you shouldn't have community but you don't need community mm. if a person i mean we could inherently in our biology have this core inherent belief it's almost like a collective belief that we need community but really we don't because I mean, there's a lot, there's, I, there's countless people that have demonstrated that they don't need community uh, to attain enlightenment, to be at total peace and joy. They live one with nature. They live as hermits. They're in uh, the Himalayas in the caves and meditating, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, one, it's very like the model of medicine that I work with really works with this principle that uh, a, around a belief, any belief that limits the unconditionality of our true self becomes the point of suffering and becomes the seed around which physical disease can start. And I even have had uh, cases where people were a part of a wonderful community and then they had to move for various reasons. And they started to suffer and they started to get sick because their belief that they needed that community to be okay was triggered in their, in the arena of their life. Yeah. So we were actually working on them letting go of the belief that they needed the community. 
Mm-hmm. That's a, that's so fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting thought to have. And, and maybe that what causes the most suffering for people is, is the belief that they need that community because they can't be happy without it. But truly it's that they haven't done the work with themselves to like be happy with themselves. <laughs> That's right. To be happy yeah. with themselves. They're getting yeah. something they, and they believe they need that something to be okay. And that's the false, that's the falseness of that belief. Huh. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. some good food for thought to chew that up. There's a lot, yeah. a lot there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a big one. Cause it's one of those things that most people would just be like, yeah, like, of course you need, you need community. Um, I mean, really though, like anything that causes emotional suffering that comes from like a thought, chances are it's probably a false belief because right. our natural way of being is joy and love and, 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 and we're meant, you know, our, our, our true nature is to have this, this lightness of being, I think. And so if we're not experiencing that, chances are we're feeding something that's not true. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I've yeah. done, uh, we had a guest on the show a few months back, um, Catherine Dixon, she does the work of Byron Katie. You're probably familiar yeah. Um, with the work and it sounds it has some similarities of um just asking yourself those questions and getting to the root of it and, and really that um just alleviating that the suffering that that uh a lot of times truly just comes from something that's completely a lie and we would you agree that oftentimes it it we, we acquire it as a child or some you know usually early yes. on right yes, and, and, and most it. of the time from our parents most of the time right. from our parents yeah right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let, this is a good, just random question. One of my last questions for you is, as a new mom, what can I be doing with a child, you know, to help facilitate and foster a healthy relationship with himself that, um, you know, he can build upon and not have to do so much like fixing things. I'm sure I'm going to screw him up in some way, but what can <laughs> I do to just do the best I can? <laughs> right. Well, that's a great question. Um, so, so what I notice in raising my kids is, is it's so important to be at peace in as a parent mm. when a parent is frantic and anxious it really that really impacts the child because they're mm. when the child is forming they're forming a reality based on the relationship with their parents so if a parent is at peace the child feels hey I, I, things are okay if the right. parent is really anxious and and you know um afraid then that that can really impact a child so that's it's really important advice. for the parents to be really zen, not in a false way, like right, not right, but like really deal with whatever you're 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 afraid of, or to get to the point where you can let go and trust. You know the, the expression "let go and let God." You just yeah. you allow life to flow rather than being holding on to everything. That's really beautiful advice because it's not it's not like giving me a to do. It's like do what I got to do to be at peace. That's right, and then the rest just naturally it flows from there. Yeah, it exactly. Provides right. an environment for him to flourish to be who he is. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I mean, like this, you probably know, but I, I would say this to any parent: is to let kids really express their emotions without saying "don't cry." Right. Like, no, no, you're you're okay. You're okay. Let them have the space to express whatever they're going through, um, because then then they move through their stages of growth, and they don't need to express things like the child anymore when they grow up and they're very they're very comfortable expressing their emotions which means that they're not going to get stuck right yeah yeah 
And then the last thing I could say, I mean, I, I think I could say a lot of things about this, but it's just one other idea is, is that when a child is upset, they don't, you can't ask them, hey, how are you feeling about this? Because they don't, they don't have the words to put it, like in their first few years. So you, you give them multiple choices. Oh, that's a good <laughs> are idea. Are you upset? You know, you could say, are you upset because mommy just raised her voice with you? Are, you know, and then when you, get the, when you get it right, the child will immediately relax and be happy again because wow. they're understood. Right. I see this with my four-year-old. She's almost four. I say, are you upset because I, uh, I didn't give you enough to eat here? No. Are you upset because um, I, I said it's, you can't play anymore? No. Are you upset because, because I said I was going to play with you and I didn't? And she's like, yeah. And she starts, starts jumping up and down because like, I just you figured it out. She, right. Yeah. And what she was feeling. And then that helps them, you know, connect with themselves and, and realize, hey, I'm feeling upset right now because of something and you just put your finger on it and now I feel happier. So they learn through that process that that's a real thing. Well, they learn that their emotions are valid and that they are important and that it's safe. That's right. For her to have that scene and for her to be able to express that to you in her own little way. But it, yes. it, it's like that it reinforces that process for her that she can build on for later. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's really helpful. Thank you. I got Yeah, that. my pleasure. Sure. Wow. Well, um, Dr. Moshe, I appreciate you being our guest and um, coming on and sharing your expertise. And yeah, you guys, if you're in San Diego, definitely come. And I mean, if you're not San Diego, make the trip. Come on down. Um, so I'm sure, so I'm clear that the website is holistic-counseling.ca slash info. I don't know if I said that the first time. Yeah, yeah, forward, forward slash info. Forward slash yeah, info. Exactly. Okay, yeah, this great. Is great. This has been great. What a, what, I feel like you and I we could probably talk for another five hours. Totally, just, totally. Just, yeah, it's really fun. It's been a great uh, discussion and a lot of great flow. I appreciate yeah. being on here very much. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Pleasure's all mine. I, I thank you for the work you do and for being such a, such a contribution to so many people and, and doing the work that, um, you know, that really heals. So, um, thanks. High five. Appreciate it's it. my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you too. Yeah. Thank of you. Of course. Well, we'll talk soon and enjoy that little one. Oh yeah. You too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a wonderful time. They're so, so sweet and innocent and precious at this age. They are they so are. much fun. Zion just got two teeth and he looks like a little beaver and it's hilarious. Ah, it's, cute. <laughs> it's the cutest. <laughs> Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah. All right, Doc. Well, uh, right, we'll chat Doc. soon. Chat soon. Thank you. Uh-huh. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love, and I'll talk to you soon.